the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Please stand with me in honor of the word of God as I read Titus 3, 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Read New City Catechism question 35 with me. Since, Since we, we are redeemed, redeemed by grace alone, through faith alone, where does this faith come from? All the gifts we receive from Christ, we receive through the Holy Spirit, including faith itself. Amen. You may be seated. Welcome. We're glad that you're here today. We're looking at this gift of saving faith through the Holy Spirit. We've been focusing on salvation as we look back on it and see when we were saved and how we were saved. And today we get to kind of the final conclusion of this portion of the New City Catechism, which teaches us that foundational uh, saving grace that comes in Christ. So we have spent this time together, and today we see that all these gifts that we receive from Christ, we receive through the Holy Spirit, including faith itself. So today we'll look specifically at the role of the Holy Spirit in our salvation. So we will look at, from this text, we will look at, um, and from Titus, We'll look at our unregenerate condition, that we're lost. Then we will look at kind of the trinity here that comes. I don't know if you noticed that in reading of this scripture. You see the triune God there and the, briefly the work of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit in our salvation. And then we'll look at specifically the Holy Spirit. This is what we want to emphasize. And specifically verse 5. By the washing of regeneration and renewal of or by the Holy Spirit. So we want to look at those things. So first, our lost and unregenerate condition. We, we sometimes just need to remind ourselves of that before we get into the actual verses of our text. So just reading the verses previously to this in Titus chapter 3 verse 1 through 3, we kind of get reminded of our lost condition before we knew Christ, our unbelieving state. Titus 3, 1 through 3, God's word says, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, 
and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. It's like a pretty unregenerated, sinful condition that is painted to Titus by the Apostle Paul. We were all sinners. We weren't ready to help others or serve others or be submissive in any way. We were a rebellious people. Neither were we ready to be courteous to all people. We were, and still do many times, talking bad about others, quarreling, talking bad about others while ourselves enslaved to our own sins. We were lost in a world without much thought of an ultimate meaning or purpose to life, just passing the days, it says here, passing the days in malice and envy. Rarely thinking about the finality of this life. Instead, just enjoying the temporary pleasures. So we were lost, these scriptures say. We were in need of salvation. We were ready for this next verse that Paul brings forward in verse 4. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. Woo! (laughs) Aren't you thankful for that? Oh, man. He's just heading in this direction of, of, of remembrance of our lost condition. And then he says, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared. God is so good, isn't he? He is so good. Um, I think of the time the, the, the lawyer came up and asked the scribes and Pharisees, they were lawyers in the sense of, of the law of God and Moses, and he came and he approached Jesus with this word, good teacher, and Jesus said to him in Mark ten eighteen, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. I mean, God is good. He alone is good. And obviously this lawyer didn't realize Jesus was God or he could call him good. Uh, But Jesus is like, don't just call me a good teacher. You know, only God is good. I love the focus on God's goodness. He alone is good. Amen? None, None of the rest of us. There's no one good, no, not one. That lost condition. We need God's goodness to appear. And it did. And it says, his loving kindness, this combination of this word, um, sometimes it's, it's beneficial to bring in kind of the Greek meaning of the word philanthropia, which we get the word philanthropy from, and it means the love of mankind when you have philanthropy. God actually had philanthropy. He had loving kindness. The loving kindness, the philanthropy of God appeared. His plan of salvation from ages past appeared. And had come. His goodness and his loving kindness came on the scene. His fondness for mankind. Every now and then, Teresa and I like to just come up with words for each other. And because and, uh, you get tired of saying the same thing. So sometimes we'll just say something different like, I'm fond of you. I'm fond of you too. 
You know what I mean? It just changes things than the typical, hey, love you, love you too, or just change it just into that word, that philanthropy, that, that, that love of God, uh, that kindness, that goodness of God. I'm fond of you. I'm fond of you too. Just God is actually fond of you in, in thinking about this. His loving kindness when I was meditating just on that philanthropy of God, that how hard it is sometimes for me even to love the people that love me in return, and yet God loved me while I was yet his enemy. Think of that kind of love. He had philanthropy towards me, not when I was good or in any kind of way polished up, but in my sin, in that condition that Titus first read about the lost world, about our lostness. And I just wonder if sometimes coming into a service like this, if we can be reminded of his voice, of him saying, I'm fond of you, I love you, I have appeared and brought my goodness and my loving kindness towards you. And it has all been poured out through his son, Jesus. And so as we look at this combination and through the Holy Spirit, we see this triune God. Let me just read the text for you again and listen for God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, okay? Uh, Titus 3, 4 through 6. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. You just see the, the love of the triune God and the triune God being involved together as one in our salvation. I think we're so lost, it takes the triune God to save us and to dig us out of that pit. Amen? The, the, the oneness of the essence of God working together out of love to redeem us. He saved us. God, our Savior. It's interesting. It said God, our Savior, and it ends in this text with Jesus Christ, our Savior. You see the oneness of God. You see the oneness of Jesus Christ as our Savior, and then you hear and see by the Holy Spirit, I like the story of a preacher, uh, Charles Spurgeon, about his salvation. He talked about the, the saving of Jesus. And he walks into this church. He's living a good life. He's a good person. He really kind of believes he's saved. He walks into this church and just happens to be getting out of a rainstorm, actually, and kind of runs in while they're having service, and the preacher's not there, and a layperson gets up, and he reads Isaiah forty five twenty two. And that scripture says, look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. And he stops and the man began to explain, you don't even need to lift a finger to look. And Spurgeon remembers him saying, you don't have to be worth a thousand pounds a year or earn a thousand pounds a year in order to look. You don't have to do anything or know anything true about you or yourself to look. You don't even have to be good or bad to look. And he said, don't look to yourselves. 
There is no hope there. That's what the world is doing. Look, look within. Look, look to yourself. There's answers there. But he says, don't look to yourselves. There is no hope there. And he lifted up his voice. And in the words of Isaiah 45:22, look to me and be saved all the ends of the earth. He puts himself in Jesus Christ crying out these words. Look to me. I'm sweating great drops of blood. Look to me. I'm hanging on a cross. Look to me. I've died and I'm buried. Look to me. I am risen and I'm ascended and I'm going to the right hand of the Father. Look to me. Spurgeon walked out of there transformed, saved not by his works or ever being good enough, but seeing the grace and mercy of God that his goodness and kindness poured out on us in Jesus Christ. And this is all part of our salvation. But the actual key moment in this text is where he says, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior, Verse 6, and who is that whom? It is through and by and of the person of the Holy Spirit. That's how God the Father, in his goodness and loving kindness, his philanthropy toward his love and fondness towards mankind, he poured out richly through his son Jesus Christ, by and through whom? The Holy Spirit. The person, the whom of the Holy Spirit. We see the role of the Holy Spirit here very clear. Uh, That's why this is, is, is picked as this scripture here. The washing, interesting wording here, of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. How does he how does he save us? By the washing of the renewal of and regeneration of the Holy Spirit. That triune God working together and the emphasis here on the Holy Spirit doing something inside of us to save us, not something outward. Paul emphasized this in other ways uh, to the Romans. uh, In Romans chapter 2, verse 29, he talked about, and he was talking about what truly makes Uh, the difference between a Jew and a Gentile, like the people of God and not being the people of God. And in verse 29, he says, a Jew is really one inwardly. And circumcision is a matter of the heart. It's something inner that you can't do outward. It's done by the spirit, not by the letter. The, The letter of the law doesn't have the scalpel that the Holy Spirit has to change your heart. So now I was thinking of the Holy Spirit washing you, okay, washing you through regeneration and renewal. It's like the Holy Spirit's the laundry man. He, he's coming, but not to clean outside to clean the very inside of you, to clean your heart. And then when I was reading this scripture, the Holy Spirit is also a surgeon. So yeah, he might be a janitor, but he's also a surgeon. 
So he's got a lot of roles that he fulfills with the Father and the Son. The Father's plan of salvation is so glorious. And the Son's fulfillment, uh, Jesus died on the cross for us and shed his blood, offered up his body and all that Jesus did. And the Holy Spirit is coming now and working the Father's love and, and pouring out all that Jesus did for us and making known what Jesus did to us. And he's washing and regenerating us. He's that laundry man, but he's also the surgeon that cuts away the unclean parts of our heart and makes us clean again like a, a, a surgeon skilled. And that's what Paul's saying here. He's, it's a circumcision of our heart. We become, we are unclean and we become clean, not by an outward circumcision, but one that the Holy Spirit does by our heart. You see, by the Spirit, Paul is saying uh, in Romans 2.29, this work is done. So the washing of regeneration, very similar to these words that Jesus taught to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. And when he got down to chapter 5 where he tells him you must be born again, again, he tells him, he answers this in John 3, 5 through 7. Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. Did you hear that? You must be born in that second time of the Spirit. The Spirit must do that work of regeneration. The Spirit must do that work of rebirth. That's this regeneration is rebirth. Very similar in, in wording there of Jesus when he's teaching to Nicodemus. Jesus was speaking of that second birth that's done by the Holy Spirit. You must be born again by the Holy Spirit or you cannot enter the kingdom of God. We all must be washed by the regeneration of the Holy Spirit. We are all saved by that washing of regeneration by the Holy Spirit. You cannot be saved without the work of the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, it's clear here. He not only regenerates us, he, the Holy Spirit washes us with renewal. A constant-like renewal. In our liturgy, we read from Titus 2 earlier. And we read these verses in Titus 2, 11 through 14. For the grace of God has appeared. Sounds very similar, right? For the goodness and loving kindness of God has appeared. Here he says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness. I like this word training. It's very much Holy Spirit language. The Holy Spirit comes in. He And Jesus said he would be our guide into all truth. He would teach us about truth. So you see here, the work of the Holy Spirit training us to renounce ungodliness. This renewal work of the Holy Spirit every day staying with us. Can you believe it? He has not given up on Bobby Barnett since he was like five years old. <laughs> I mean, you know, from the beginning, I know, but that day as that little kid say, yeah, I believe in you, Jesus, I love you. And he hasn't given up on me since then. I mean, he regenerated me, but he renews me. And he's renewing you every day, and he won't give up on you. I love that persistence of God. And it's very much shown 
through the Holy Spirit that he has given us to not give up on us. He is called the paraclete. That's the one that's alongside, that sticks with you and walks through you through thick and thin. This is the Holy Spirit. He brings renewal every day. I love the scripture out of Lamentations. It's a real bleak Jeremiah lament. Man, it is one negative complaint. I mean, one place he talks about chewing gravel and stuff. You know, I mean, that's what life is like. And there's this one bright spot right in the middle. This is a real interesting Lamentations. It's a, you know, it's written in Hebrew poetry language. So it's got 22 verses. I'll start with the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then another 22. And then in the middle, there's this real long chapter with 60 uh, 322, so 66 verses and then a final 22. And right in the middle of all that, this verse, and it's Lamentations 3, 22 through 23. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. Aren't you thankful for his faithfulness? I mean, that work of the Holy Spirit to renew your faith. We are in a battle, he's saying. And one of the main battles we're in is a battle for your faith. Paul said, I've finished the fight in his last dying breath to Timothy. I fought the good fight of faith. I'm about to die and I'm still trusting in Jesus, his saving grace for my salvation. The Holy Spirit has kept me. To the very end, this is the main battle we're fighting. To keep your faith and trust in the purity and devotion to Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit is with you to keep it. Aren't you thankful? Because we would abandon. We would abandon like the others did that abandoned Paul. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, we are steadfast because his renewal, his mercies are new every morning. We see that the Holy Spirit works in us. When we ask, where does this faith come from? It comes from the Holy Spirit. He works inside of us. Our uh, catechism commentary, one of the pastors that commented was uh, a Micah Edmondson. And he said, what happens as the gospel is preached, the Holy Spirit creates faith in our hearts so that we embrace the risen and reigning Christ as he presents himself through the gospel. Even faith, our obedient response to the gospel, is a gracious gift of God. I believe that. I believe scripture says that, that the Holy Spirit has to work in us and gift us. All uh, the, the gifts are from the Holy Spirit, even the gift of faith. This washing of regeneration and renewal within us is an inside work that the Holy Spirit must do for us to believe, to have faith. Where does this faith come from? It comes from the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what our catechism answer is. Through the gift that he gives us of faith, we no longer are dead in our sin, but we're washed from our sins. We're regenerated and renewed by the Holy Spirit. And Micah Edmondson goes on and he says, By the Holy Spirit, Jesus tilled the rocky soil of our hearts so that as the seed of the gospel was sown, it could bring forth the fruit of faith and repentance. What a visual. The Holy Spirit 
tilling up the soil of our heart, getting in there so that the Word of God could get implanted in our hearts so that we could believe the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about regeneration in our hearts is a gift. Jesus mentioned this word regeneration. It was a little different in John 3, but about the only other place where the Holy Spirit, where Titus is used here, the Holy Spirit, the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit, that word regeneration, I want to focus on that for a little while. It's just very powerful. I want us to think about the power of regeneration that the Holy Spirit works in us for a moment. Again, there is a, a Greek word, palingenesia. Palingenesia. Genesis, you kind of see that new regenerate in that Greek word. And that Greek word is only used twice. Once here by the washing of regeneration, palingenesia. So this word's very unique. It's used one other time by Jesus and quite a different context. He's talking about his return when Jesus returns, and it's in Matthew 19, 28 through 29. And it says, Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, in the new world, this is the palingenesia word right here, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, he's talking about his return. You who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses, brothers, sisters, father, mother, children, lands, fields, uh, for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. If you've followed me, no matter what you've sacrificed or given up, you will inherit abundance and eternal life. <laughs> I mean, eternal life is like, is, is, is it, right? Uh, that eternal life. Now, interestingly, where's Jonathan? He's at home, he's not here. Well, Jonathan's gotten back into the King James Version, a new King James Version. And so they actually uh, in, uh, translate this right here. It says, so Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you that in the regeneration, so they just use that palingenesia word, it's only used twice, Titus and here, uh, that in the regeneration, when the Son of Man sits on his throne, so they use that specific word. Now, ESV and others are trying to translate. That doesn't really make sense in the regeneration. What the heck does that mean? Well, it's when Jesus makes all things new. It's when he returns, and he says, like, when I return, I'm making all things new. I mean, the new Jerusalem is going to come out of heaven, you know, and everything is going to be made new. And so he's talking about this, and in relationship to the, the fact that Titus uses that word, Paul's using that same word that Jesus used there, that the Holy Spirit washes us in regeneration. I want us to meditate of the power of that, that God in the future is going to make all things new, and he's beginning right now in you when the Holy Spirit regenerates you. He's taking the future you like time travel, except not going forward, coming back? Like, what is in the future that Christ is regenerating and making all things new? He's moving back to your salvation. The Holy Spirit is palingenesia in you. He's making all things new in you. And he will make everything. 
Look at this hope, new in the end, his return. You know, right now we struggle and we deal with death and we deal with grief and we deal with hardships and we deal with trials and we deal with tribulations and we do deal with battles. They are all an attack of your faith. But there are many ways physically in our body, financially and economics can crumble in our lives any moment. All of us struggling with different battles in our mind, in our psychology, in our mind that's so powerful. Who we are in our identity and all the struggles that we're going through in this life. And that hope that he, through the power of his Holy Spirit, is washing you. He's working in you this palingenesia, this regeneration in you. Never underestimate the power of being born again by His Holy Spirit washing in you and regenerating in you His power. So God's future moved to you now presently in your heart, the Holy Spirit washing and regenerating you and renewing you. It comes to your heart now we speak of this already, but not yet aspect of the kingdom. We have been washed and regenerated and renewed by the work of the Holy Spirit. And there are aspects to that great palingenesia, that regeneration that we are still waiting for. It's already promised. And yet some of it is not here yet. It's already and not yet. But I want you to be encouraged today. And even as we sing our closing song, the blessing, it's like the blessing that is ours in the Holy Spirit. Think of the closing lines of this song. It says, may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you and all around you and within you. That sounds like the great parakletos, huh? The Holy Spirit making God's presence real before you, behind you, beside you, the friend called alongside, all around you and within you. He is with you. He is with you. In the morning, in the evening, in your coming, in your going, in your weeping or your rejoicing, He is for you. Amen. All of you can find one of these. I think if you're on the front row here, we have a basket here. Want to take communion with us? Everybody is welcome to partake at the table of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm fond of you. In the last moments of his betrayal, where Judas went out to betray him, he was having what? It's titled The Last Supper. It's the last of the of that feast of the old covenant brought into the new covenant in Jesus' blood. And in the night that Jesus was betrayed, we are told that he took bread at this dinner table. 
and he gave thanks to the Father. He prayed to the Father right there. Thank you for this bread. Thank you for this bread of life. But then Jesus said something revelational. He said, this bread is my body. Take and eat of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me. Let us take this bread together in faith. Remembering Jesus' broken body given up for us. Let us partake together. And in like manner, he took the cup. And he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood given for you for the remission of sins. Take and drink of it. And when you do, do this in remembrance of me and remember my death until I come. We remember your death, Jesus, on the cross. Let us partake together. Jesus gave that for us to do. And when it's mixed by faith, when it's mixed, all that we do in our life with the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, when he takes us taking communion together, we are the body of Christ. We are ministered to by the living, resurrected Jesus himself. And that is the power of the faith of the gift of the Holy Spirit within us, making our hearts new, seeing the unseen things, seeing the power of Jesus' body and his blood. May you be gifted with that today in new measures. And may we worship with that regenerated and renewed heart to give him the praise and the honor that he alone is worthy of. May we make much of Jesus together. Grace Harvest Church, all of those that are here, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.
Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Please receive this blessing. The Lord is for you, and he's fond of you. Go knowing that the Holy Spirit is within you. In Jesus' name, amen. Love one another.